Hi guys. Welcome back to another podcast. I hope everybody is doing good and fighting with this COVID-19. I am hoping Chala will get soon get rid of this COVID-19. Just keep yourself safe and your loved one. All right, let's get start with the podcast. Genetics in the hand we are dealt. In 2013, the BBC rounded up half a dozen teenagers with the obsessive compulsive disorder (OCD) and followed them and followed them as they attended intensive therapists to help them overcome their unwanted thoughts and repetitive behaviors. There was Emotion, a 17-year-old girl who had a compulsive need to tap every surface you walk past. If you failed to do so, she was flooded with horrible thoughts of her family dying. There was Josh who needed to do everything with both sides of his body, shake a person's hand with both his right and his left hand, eat his food with each hand, step thoroughly at away with both feet, and so on. If he didn't equalize his two sides, he suffered from severe panic attack. And then there was a Jack, a classic germaphobe who refused to leave his house without wearing gloves, boiled all his water before drinking it, and refused to eat food not clean and prepared himself. OCD is a terrible neurological and genetical disorder that cannot be cured. At best, it can be managed, and as well as, as well, as well see, as we'll see. Managing the disorder comes down to managing one's value. The first thing the psychiatrist on this on this project do is is tell the kids that they are to accept the imperfections of their compulsive desires. What that means. As one example, sorry guys, there was a little bit disturbance here. Alright, the first thing the psychiatrists on this project do is tell the kids they are to accept imperfections of their compulsive desires. What they mean, as one example, is that when Emojin becomes flooded with the horrible thoughts of her family dying, she is to accept that her family may actually die and that there is nothing she can do about it. Simply put, she is told that what happens to her is not her fault. Josh is forced to accept that over a long term equalizing all of his behavior to make them symmetrical is actually destroying his life more than occasional panic attack would. And Jack is reminded that, no matter what he does, germs are always present and always infecting, them, infecting him. The goal is to get, it, to get the kids to recognize that their values are not rationals, that in fact their values are not even theirs, but rather are the disorders, and that by fulfilling these irrational values, they are actually harming their ability to function in life. The next step is to encourage the kids to choose a value that is more important than their OCD's values and to focus on that. For Josh, it is the possibility of not having to hide his disorder from his friends and family all the time. The perspective. The 
The prospect of having a normal functioning social life for Imogen, it's the idea of taking control over her own thoughts and feelings and being happy again. And for Jack, it's the ability to leave his house for a long period of time without suffering traumatic episodes. Traumatic episodes. With these new values held front and center in their minds, the teenagers set out on intensive desanitization exercises. Desensitization exercises that forces them to live out their new values. Panic attacks ensure, tears are shed, Jack punches an array of inanimate objects and then immediately washes his hand. But by the end of the documentary, major progress had been made. Mojan no longer needs to tap every, every surface she comes across. She says, there are still monsters in the back of my mind and there probably always be, but they are getting quieter now. Josh is able to go to periods of 25 to 30 minutes without equalizing his behaviors between both sides of his body and Jack, who makes perhaps the most improvement, is actually able to go out to restaurants and drinks out of the bottle and glass without washing them first. Jack sums up well what, a, what he learned. I didn't choose this life. I didn't choose this horrible, horrible condition. But I get to choose how to live with it. I have to choose how to live with it. A lot of people treat being born with disadvantage, whether OCD, or small stature or something very different as thought they were screwed out of something highly valuable. They feel that there's nothing they can do about it so they avoid responsibility for their situations. They figure I didn't choose my creepy genetics so it's not my fault, it's things go wrong. And it's true, it's not their fault but still their responsibility. Back in college I had a bit of delusional fantasy of becoming a professional poker player. I owe money and everything and it was a fun but after almost years of serious play I quit. The lifestyle of staying up all night staring at computer screen winning thousands of dollars one day and then losing most of it the next wasn't for me and it wasn't exactly the most healthy or emotionally stable means of earning a living. But my time playing poker had surprisingly profound influence on the way I see life. The beauty of the poker is that while luck is always in, is involved, luck doesn't dictate the long-term result of a game. A person can get dealt terrible, terrible cards and beat someone who was dealt great cards. Sure, the person who gets dealt great card has a higher likelihood of winning the hands, but ultimately the winner is determined by, yep, you guessed it, the choice each player makes throughout of, makes throughout play. I see life in the same terms. We all get dealt cards, 
Some of us get better cards than others, and while it's easy to get hung up on our card and feel we got screwed over the real game lines and the choices we make with those cards, the risks we decided to take and the consequences we choose to live with, people who constantly who consistently make the best choice in the situation they are given are the ones who eventually come out ahead in the poker, just as in life. And this is not necessarily the people with the best card. There are those who suffer psychologically and emotionally from, from neurological and or genetical deficiencies. But this change nothing. Sure, they inherited a bad hand and are not to blame. No more than the shot guy wanting to get a date is to blame for being shot. Or the person who got robbed is to blame for being robbed. But it is still their responsibility whether they choose to seek psychiatric treatment, psychiatric treatment, undergo therapy or do nothing. The choice is ultimately theirs to make. There are those who suffer through bad childhoods. There are those who are abused and violated and screwed over physically, emotionally, financially. They are not to blame for their problems and their hindrance, but they are still responsible, always responsible, to move on despite their problems and to make the best choice they can, given their circumstances. And let's be honest here, if you were to add up all the people who have some psychiatric disorders, struggle with the depression or suicide or suicidal thoughts they have been subjected to neglect or abuse have dealt with tragedy oh sorry have dealt with tragedy or the death of the loved one and have survived serious health issues accidents or trauma if you were to round up all of those people and put them in a room well you had probably have to round up everyone because nobody make it through life without collecting a few scars on their way out Sure, some people get settled with worse problems than those. And some people are legitimately victimized in a horrible way. But as much as this may upset us or disturb us, it ultimately changes nothing about the responsibility question of our individual situations. Thank you very much, guys. I hope you are going to enjoy this episode.